Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Big Fight Reaction Show. I'm your host, Sean, joined as always by Johnston to cover Canelo Alvarez's victory over Jamal Charlo and Jaya Pattaya absolutely wiping the floor with Jordan Thompson. Of course, there were other fights on this weekend which we'd like to touch on and reflect on what has been a relatively decent weekend for the sport in terms of the amount of fights and fighters being involved. And I think boxing season... I can say it again like I did the other week. I think it's truly kicking in now. I think so. It's, it's, it's a good fight to have. We um, assumed that the fight would be a lot closer, the, the main fight, the main attraction of the weekend. Unfortunately, it didn't deliver. But, well, we can discuss all that now. But in terms of the, the volume of fights, there certainly was a lot of a lot of fights and some really good performances, some not-so-good performances, some terrible judging um, from which happens every bloody week. Um, but all in all, good weekend, enjoyed it. So we're going to talk about the Canelo fight first of all, because that was the main fight that we covered for the show. And we talked about this fight in, in great detail in the preview. And I released a clip, a little social media clip going into the fight. And it was it was your comment, Johnston. It was about how Charlo isn't going to win this fight and, and it, how he'd have to, you know, there'd have to be an accidental clash of heads or some sort of cut where it changed the fight significantly. Yeah. And I, I released that clip and funnily enough, it pretty much went the way, identically, you said it was going to go. And so, so it's a really spot-on, nail-on-the-head prediction with with this fight. It just um, it didn't deliver. It didn't deliver. Canelo looked great. Charlo didn't look great. Ultimately, Canelo moves on, and we can talk about some of the big fights now for him. And Charlo, well, I know he's been stripped of the WBO title as soon as he entered the ring. So the WBO title now has been upgraded to Tim Zhu. So Tim Zhu's now with the full WBO super welterweight champion. And Charlo goes in there for a payday. Uh, I've heard excuses on social media. I've seen people saying his hand injury wasn't fully recovered and he still went in there and he, 
he, he caused another injury again, apparently, in, in the fight. I don't know how true that is, but it just felt like a, a lot of excuses for a poor performance, and it just made me feel like he was literally there for a payday. He was. The first thing I thought, the more these fights developed, was I don't think he fancied it, Sean. I don't think he even wanted it. That's my honest opinion. I feel like it was the first fight for Canelo on PBC, and someone's puts a question to him and says, look, you can fight Canelo Alvarez, undisputed, super middleweight, you've got to jump up two weights. If you lose, you lose. But it's a win-win, isn't it? It doesn't matter how you perform. And he's seen the money. and he's he, I, To be honest, I, I wouldn't have even been surprised if he said, I don't really fancy it. But they're like, look, just take the fight, have the fight. It's the first fight for Canelo's BBC. He's going to look great. Your aim is just to not get knocked out. And that is what it was. It was like watching... Um, when I, I would love me football analogies, but when you see a side show up and they park the bus and then what happens is they get an early goal conceded against them and all the game plan goes out the window. Next thing you know, you lose the game 5-0 and you think, well, what was the point of that? And that basically was what it was. It was, he's, Charlo's gone in there to survive. That was what it was. And the word he used, I believe, after was at least I get, didn't get knocked out at one point. So for me, I, I feel that someone was in his ear, said to him, look, you can earn a bundle of money. It's a win-win. You lose, it doesn't matter. Even if Canelo wins and dominates like he has, no one's really going to give him any respect for it because you've jumped up two weight classes. He hasn't. He should be demoral, like actually just dominating you for that whole 12 rounds, which is exactly what happened. And for him, for Charlo, it's a win because he has, he's come out on his feet and he can make an excuse and people will defend him. It doesn't matter. Charlo's lost to Canelo's two weight classes above. He shouldn't. He doesn't belong in that weight. And there's a reason why there's weight classes. And I think this fight is a great example of that, isn't it? It is a great example of it. It's also a great example of, of somebody that should have said no, really, because regardless of, of the money being put to him, if his hand injury wasn't fully, fully recovered, which is one of the things that I've seen, if that's true or not, if well, if, if, if it's true, why did he get in the ring? Obviously for the money, 100% for the money. So it, it makes yeah. you feel like, what are the intentions of taking this fight? And I remember saying that on the preview about what were his intentions of taking this fight? Was he in it for the glory? Was he in it for the money? To me, it just feels like he was in it for the money. And it's more evident now in the aftermath of watching that fight that that's the case. So Charlo, as a result of taking the money fight, loses his WBO title. Yes, okay, he still holds the remaining three titles in the division, but... He's no longer the undisputed super welterweight champion. It makes me wonder what he does do next, whether he just decides, you know what, I'm going to move up to the middleweight division and, and look at that because there's some, some good fights potentially there for him. Or does he take this big fight with Tim Zip, which I think would be a really, really good fight and I think it'd make some good money for him. It'll be interesting to see what his next move actually is, whether he decides, you know what, I'll go up a little, I'll go up a weight, try my hand at middleweight because there's going to be opportunities there to clean up the division and then maybe move from there. But I think the focus and the aftermath of this fight now is it's not really around Charlo. It's around Canelo, of course, because people are now wondering what is next for Canelo. Now, the two things in my mind, two fights in my mind, are these ones that I'm proposing. These are the ones that I think he has to do. Either or. Either David Benavidez at 168 or Bivol comes down to 168 because he has expressed an interest to do so. And he has said it recently on social media that he'd be willing to do that. So it's got to be Bivol or Benavidez at 168. That, that for me, would be the next fight. One of them two fights would be the perfect fight for him because I can't see who else he could fight at this point. Like, logically and honestly, what is the next fight for him? Is it, It's got to be one of them two, hasn't it? I would say them two. I'd say David Benavidez is the fight everybody's calling for. That. That's sort of the number one pick. 
there's been murmurs of the Crawford fight. Look, again, it's it's just one of them ones. You don't really want to see it. I mean, it's a big super fight. But he's just, you know, he, he's beaten the, the best in the middleweight division in Golovkin. He's beaten the best in the light middleweight division in Charlo. And now what, he's going to fight the best in the welterweight division in Crawford. I mean, he should be looking upwards. As you say, the Bivol fight with a Bivol can come down to 168. So I, I would scrap the Crawford fight. I mean, they put it to him and he sort of said he's not in my plans, but he's not saying it's not absolutely not in my plans. It's just, I, I don't really know. Again, this weight class thing, it's there for a reason. Yeah, Crawford may be struggling at 147 and maybe thinking about the 154 division. I would say that for Charlo, Crawford would be a better fight. For me, I think you could have a unified fight there. Obviously, he's lost that WBO fight, uh, title, sorry. So he, Either he takes the Tim Zhu fight and tries to become undisputed in this weight again. And remember, the Tim Zhu fight was a char- was, was supposed to be there for Charlo anyway. And he changed his mind whether it was his team or himself that moved to the Canelo fight to, to be great, to dare to be great. And he wasn't. So he, the Tim Zhu fight was always going to be there. So he's always uh, he's earned money. For, it's just it's just been easy for Charlo because he's like, well, I've stayed up. I've not been knocked out by a guy bigger than me, a heavy puncher. hits like a hot, an ox, apparently said. So... He can now still get he gets that Tim Zhu fight anyway. Or Crawford. I think Crawford is a is a perfect fight while Canelo takes on Benavides. Then Crawford can see, look, this is how I am at 154. If I'm still strong and finishing people, knocking people out, like a like a Charlo, which Canelo hasn't done, then there's a call for that fight. That's a possibility. Even still, he's skipping another couple of weights, the divisions, just to fight Canelo. But yeah, Canelo for me, Benavides is my number one pick. Or Bivol. But will Bivol move down? He said he would. I think he would because it makes sense for him. His money for him. So, yeah, the only other one that sort of, because he's a Mexican, is Hemi Manguia. He's undefeated. He's a Mexican. I know he's with Golden Boy. But the Mexican following will get behind that fight. That could be a possibility as well. Good good fights, really, when you think about it. I mean, look at Canelo's career at this point. Like, what left in boxing is there for him to do? at this point in time like what what i what do you want to see him do like honestly i don't know what people's thoughts are on this now like for me benavidez fight would be good that would be a good one the bivol rematch would be good both of them uh, i'd be more than happy at both of them sequentially like his next two fights on bbc i'd like him to be them to be honest and he could bow he could bow out i'd be happy for him to bow out because what else does he need to do in boxing because i don't think he he doesn't need to do anything else he wants that cruiserweight title i think he's going to be a jack or it could be an opatire we will speak about in a minute well well jack jacks doesn't have the wbc anymore he vacated now badu jack so oh did he yeah so i know he wants he wants that crew he wants that cruiserweight title doesn't he and i feel that canelo will eventually get that chance against someone that he should be beating I think Macabu's fighting for it again. If I remember rightly, looking a couple of weeks back, I think Macabu is fighting for it again. I can't remember who the opponent is, but if Macabu fights for it again, chances are he might win it again. And then that fight that was proposed a few months back where it was Canelo versus Macabu for the Cruiserweight title, absolutely, yeah, you could see that being a, a logical step for him to take before he comes towards the end of his career. But let's be honest, we want to see the Bivol rematch at 168 if yeah. Bivol's saying he can do it. Oh, the Benavidez fight. Either of them two fights and his next two fights, I'd be really happy with. Uh, that that would be me, the the ideal path for his career. And then following that, if he then signs another deal with somebody else for maybe one or two fights, then you do get them cruiserweight fights, like you say. So 
I think we've got to be realistic and say that what Canelo's probably got two to three years at maximum left. And really, these are the fights that, that we want to see at this point in time. Because after that, I can't honestly envisage any other fights. After that, you're starting to become a little bit ridiculous with maybe the potential of him fighting certain fighters at certain weights. He then becomes too much of a stretch, I think, even for Canelo and even for, for how good he is. But ultimately, at this moment in time, he's the best super middleweight of this era. And they've got he's got to face the challenges now he's got to face the guys that are around him that we want to see him face so if he if he does that and he, and he wins and he goes on and wins them fights then absolutely he's he's still going to go down as as one of if not the greatest mexican fighter of all time it was also good to see actually johnston i don't know if you you noticed in the aftermath of canelo winning the respect between him and floyd mayweather my floyd mayweather at ringside obviously for his uh his young protege, Kamel Moton, who was on the undercard, who won by a first-round KO. Um, I will talk about him a little bit later on, but it was good to see the sort of respect between those two, and, and I think Mayweather... It makes you think, doesn't it, now? like We, we know we slag Mayweather off a lot, but I think it was pretty obvious when Mayweather took that fight against Canelo. He knew what he was doing. He knew it was the right time to get Canelo while he was young and while he wasn't as experienced because he knew his experience and, and, and how young he was or how much younger he was at the time, Mayweather and Canelo, it was the right time to do it because I think if he would have got Canelo later on uh, and more of his prime years, which is sort of where we are now, it would have been a much more difficult fight for him. And you know what? We do slay him. And uh, I'd say cherry pick. I, I do I, I do still think in the last 10 years, I think he was he bided his time with certain fights. And Canelo learned from that because he'd done the same thing with Golovkin. I felt that he bided his time with the Golovkin fight. It should have happened a bit sooner than it did. So, to be fair, you don't really get the situations where you have a professional fighter that decides to manage themselves and makes the right choices. You can't knock Mayweather for that. You look to every angle, every position, every moment, and he picked his fights. And we can knock him for it, but he did win them all. Um, yeah. Some of them weren't the fights we particularly wanted. They were a bit too soon or a bit too late. Either way, he won the fight. And people will look at that Canelo win and they will say, do you know what, that just that just proves for the for the people that love Floyd Mayweather that he is the greatest of all time. That people, Some people genuinely believe that. We, we have a different perception of that and what it takes to be the greatest of all time. You do need to be able to push yourself at times. And I do feel the last 10 years of his career, he didn't quite do that. But credit to the guy who finished undefeated. And he is one of the best defensive fighters that's ever lived. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm never going to say that that he isn't because, you know, he's up there with the greats of defensive, up there with the Willie Peps. Yeah, unreal defensive fighter. But yeah, it's good to see that. Who knows what is in the pipeline when, when Canelo retires, whether they, they could get it on again as an exhibition, like a little eight round, like, like, you know, like Jones Tyson did kind of thing. Um, I could see something like that happening. But look, one good thing as well about Canelo is he looked back to his old best. His last two fights... I feel there were moments where there, I started to see some chinks in his armour where he wasn't really putting his foot down and trying to stop his fighters. I still feel he could have probably put his foot down a little bit more against Charlo. But saying that, his punch output for 12 rounds and just how determined he seemed, he seemed like the old Canelo that we had seen that had just dismantled Everybody in the super middleweight division in terms of the likes of Billy Joe Saunders and and Callum Smith and Caleb Plant, like he was back to that form again, which is great to see. It's almost like the PBC's free fight deals giving him injection of life and he knows he's going to have to have some big, big fights. And the good thing I love about Canelo as well 
is when he does get forced into those mandatories, he's one of very few fighters that will take a mandatory and he will get it overdone quickly and move on to the big fights. Not many fighters do that. There's You have these champions that will just fight mandatories once a year and it just prolongs their career. Canelo is not one to do that. And, you know, credit to him because he, he, he did look terrific. But Charlo was just pretty poor, wasn't he? He was. Well, let's move on, Johnston. Let's talk about Jai Opetaya's destruction of Jordan Thompson. And that's exactly what it was, a destruction. You know, I wanted Jordan to do well in this fight. I wouldn't make no bones about, about how I felt I wanted Jordan to win the fight. Realistically, we both knew that this was a big, massive step up for him. And also, for Opetaya, he'd had that time out of the ring. But Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oh my God, you didn't even think he'd, he'd been away with the way he goes in the ring and absolutely destroys Thompson. I, he, he was like a madman all week, to be honest with you. I was watching the press conferences and the interviews and the lead up to it and you could just see he's got this desire in his eyes and this hunger and even though he was the champion, it was like he was still the hungry fighter fighting for a title going in there and he, he he made light work of Jordan Thompson in there which is sad for Jordan because obviously he comes in he takes a, the biggest fight of his career and now people are going to admit that that was probably too soon for him and you know he needed more of a a, a better accomplished resume moving up because if you think about his fight with uh, Vassal Dukar who fought Shavon Clark on the same card you know Dukar nearly stopped him so was that not a sign there that maybe they should have hung fire on it? But because negotiations had fell through with Richard Biakpour, they needed somebody to put into place and Jordan Thompson steps in and takes his opportunity. And, you know, he'll learn. He will learn from that. I just hope it doesn't doesn't damage him as a fighter because it, it was a destruction. Jaya Pattaya was just... He was so fast. He was so accurate. He, he didn't care what was coming at him, but... He had that movement to slip everything and get on the inside, and that's exactly what he did against the much bigger fighter. Got on the inside and, and, and absolutely put it on Thompson. And as soon as Thompson got hit with a really clean left, I think it was a left straight that he got hit with. That was it. He was, he was kind of. I knew then it was over. I knew straight away that Thompson's confidence had gone. Uh, I just knew it would be a matter of time before he absolutely took it out of him. Eddie's saying Jai Pattaya is now the best cruiserweight on the planet. 
Is he the best cruiserweight on the planet, Johnston? Well, he's demolished Thompson, who was well out of his depth. You know, he was several levels below this level. I'm not saying he can't get to that level, but certainly not now. It was too soon for him. We hoped that maybe he could land something to maybe change the fight against uh, Jay Opatia. And I did feel that he might even last a distance because I was sort of looking at Opatia's fight and sort of him coming off the back end of the, the long layoff and obviously beating uh, um, Breedis was a, a terrific performance. He looked great. He looked sharp. But it was the jaw and he's had surgery. That stuff plays on your mind. Um, so, so for me, I sort of felt that maybe he might be a little bit more tentative and just sort of work his way into the fight. Maybe even, in a way, no, I'm going to beat this guy, but maybe get the rounds under my belt. He wasn't interested in any of that, and I absolutely loved that. He was aggressive throughout. He was fast. He was accurate. He was sharp. He almost got rid of Thompson in the first round. From the first three minutes, you're like, wow, this guy, he looks the real deal, doesn't he? Um, wow. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, I know Thompson was nowhere near the level. that He, he just He's not there. He's not there. He's not there. Look, let's get it right. They threw him in the deep end and he drowned. Opatai absolutely demolished him. He looked terrific. He did. He looked really good. And you can see why people would say that he's the best in the division. But look, he's got to fight Bill M. Smith. He's got to fight Akoli. He's got to fight Riappot. And three British guys will give him a much more difficult challenge than the one he faced against Thompson. Because them three do the same thing against Thompson. Let's face it. More likely, maybe not as quickly and as destructively, but Opatai, the one thing I'll say about him is how good is his footwork? How good does he switch his starts? How great is his accuracy? If he can produce goods like that against our guys, then they're in for a tough, tough fight. And there is definitely a huge claim for him to clean up this division. Yeah, well, Amarius Bradis was there at ringside. He was uh, he came on, I think, punditry at one point to talk about the potential rematch between the two of them. And Maybe that will be the next course of action. But also, he was asked about the Bill M. Smith fight as well in the ring in the post-fight interview. And he said he'd take that fight. So, you know, his next two fights could be either Raw or Brady's and Bill M. Smith in, in, in a different order. And I'd, I'd be happy with that. I'd want to see it. And, and I think yeah. he's he's definitely... I liked his fight with Brady's. He made a fan out of me from that fight with Brady's. I was really impressed with his performance there and, and the grit and determination he showed. But I'll be honest with you, he's made, he's made me even more of a fan of his now after seeing that performance, it, it was great. And I've got to give a big shout out to his manager. His manager listens to our podcast, Matt Clark, and he listens to a lot of the series-based stuff that we do, the Career Profiles podcast. And I messaged him straight away. And the first thing I said was, wow, what a performance. And you need to get Jai on this podcast. And that's the first thing I said. And and, and Matt, <laughs> Matt Matt's reply was, I'll see what I can do. So hopefully, Matt, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be able to get Jai on the podcast with us and it'll be really good to speak to him. But it, in, that, it was... in that case, he's the best in the crew, right? There is. I'm joking. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't one to do that. We ain't one to do that. We're not going to side. It looked great, but I still believe there's 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 definitely tougher challenges ahead of it for him. And I'm sure Matty Clark will say the same thing, will he? Yeah, absolutely. They wanted the React Poor fight. And, and and speaking to Matt, I knew he, he really wanted that fight. And his his interpretation of React Poor not being in the fight was that, um, in his words, he shit it. That, that was what man said. He said Riappo shit it, and and Lost you can you can understand why people would say that. But I do think there was issues with uh, Ben Shalom going on as well. And I think that that was part of the problem in as to why that fight didn't happen. However, Jai looked great and he got the victory. And and now, like you said, Johnson, we see them fights, the rematch for Brady's, Bill and Smith, or 
Bill and Smith versus M Brady's, whatever it order it comes in, I'm happy to see because I want to see whether he can whether he can do the business against these guys. And if he does, then yeah, absolutely, I'll hold my hands up and say he's definitely the best cruiserweight in the division. And I think he could rule the cruiserweight division. I really do. I just think we need them fights. We need to see him against these different opponents. And I think he definitely made a lot of fans of British British people this weekend. I definitely think that. I think a lot of people really enjoyed listening to him and his mindset and his mentality. And I think he's a he's a big, big star for the future. And I'm certain that there'll be a big show in Australia where he'll be headlining. And he'll, you know, he'll be maybe he'll have two belts by the time he does that. But there's definitely a good opportunity for him, you know, being one of the great Australian boxers, which would be really, really good for, obviously, Australian fight fans. I know you guys listen all the way from down under, and, and, and you love our show, and it's great that you've got a fighter now who you can really cling on to, who will hopefully, along with, obviously, Tim Zoo, of course, hopefully, you know, these these will start to sort of bring this emergence of Australian boxing onto the forefront for, for you guys as well. But, yeah, they were the two big fights, Johnston, this weekend. But, yeah. as we said, there was lots of a variety of fights going on this weekend and you know where where do you want to start what do you want to what do you want to go with what was what was the other moment of the weekend barring the two big fights that you really want to talk about for me i would have to probably say the lubin fight um i'm going to go with the lubin fight because of the fact is i don't think he won it and again you get those situations where you get another controversial scorecard how lubin has come away with a unanimous decision, for those that didn't know, he was on the undercard of obviously the Canelo Charlo card. I don't. I, I just. It just. It's just beyond me at times. Ramos for me won the fight. I didn't even need to score it. He was in control. He threw more punches than Lubin. I mean, the the, the punch counts. I'm never always great with in terms of. I, I you know I don't see it as someone counting punches sometimes or they counting them correctly. Look, it's, there's this human error there. But you didn't even need to count the punches to know that Ramos Jr. landed a hell of a lot more than Lubin, who spent a lot of his time on the ropes. The only time Lubin you could give him a round or two is when Ramos took those rounds off. And he's got to learn Ramos from this because, you know, the one thing he said is, I shouldn't be leaving this to the judges. I need to be finishing this with my my left hook and my right way, you know, with my punches. I need to be ending this inside the distance, which is something that Joe Frazier learned a long time ago in his career and with his career profile is, you know, um, he was always told to end fights in the distance. Don't take rounds off um, because if you can get rid of the guy, get rid of him. I feel that he could have got rid of Lubin. He should have got rid of Lubin. But to his credit, he stayed on his feet. And how he got that car, I mean, how it's a unanimous, Sean. Um, I mean, a 117-111, what the hell is that guy watching? 116-112, again, what are you, What I don't get it. I, I don't understand how Lubin has come away with a unanimous, with scorecards like that. And people may say that some of those rounds were close. They weren't close. Some of them were easy to score, and Ramos Jr. should have won that fight. Hands down. I mean, I had him a few, three or four rounds up. But as again, I wasn't I wasn't watching the fight scoring it in my head. It was just obvious to see with the with my eyes. I could, I'm watching it, and I can see Ramos is winning this fight. So, uh, shocked to that decision. Another terrible, terrible performance from the judges. I I'm just, I'm dismayed at it, Sean. I really am. How someone could give Lubin six rounds. I'll watch this fight again next week and see if I change my mind. I don't think I will. The worst part about it is that all three judges gave it to him. It wasn't like a split decision. All three? Yeah. All three. I don't, that, that, that's the part I don't understand. All three of them saw it the same way. Well, some of them, obviously two of them saw it a lot wider than the third judge. You had it 115, 113. But 
Yeah, I, I, it's just one of them travesties yet again in boxing that has, has, hopefully it won't plague Ramos's career, but I can fe- I'd feel aggrieved by that. 100%. I'd, I'd be feeling really annoyed because to have three judges say that the other guy won the fight when it is quite evident that it, that it wasn't the case, it is really disheartening. It's really, I feel for him. I just hope they can they can sort something out with it, whether it's some sort of rematch or. Oh, Luke, you won't go near him. Yeah. No. See him be like, no, don't fly again. No need. <laughs> no. No, they won't. They'll move on. They'll, they'll be pushing forward now. They'll probably, what will probably happen is they'll try and push themselves into a position to work their way up the WBO rankings and maybe get a shot at Tim Zhu, who's now WBO champion. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if that's kind of the money fight's the next one on the horizon for them. But On that, on that performance, Lubin's getting wiped out by Tim. Absolutely, yeah. for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, other fights on that card, then just whipping around the card and just letting you guys know of other fights that you probably would have tuned into. Or if you didn't, well, the results were as follows. Jordanius Ugas lost a unanimous decision to Mario Barrios. I know somebody who you fancied to win that fight, actually, Johnston, and you nailed that. Barrios, you... I found, yeah, he worked, worked well behind the jab there. I really enjoyed his performance. I knew it. So many people went for Ugas, but I just felt that Barrios, I know he had a couple of defeats in his record, but he was not a mover, Ugas. Obviously, you know, he's prime, prime of his career. Barrios, tremendous jab, good accuracy, bust up his eye. Yeah, great performance. And then we also had Elijah Garcia going to 16 and 0. Eighth round TKO over Jose Armando Resendez. Frank Sanchez, well, he took a little bit of a wobble in his fight, but he came back to stop Scott Alexander in the fourth round as he moves on in his career. Alexander Gerdvik moves on again now. He's 20-1 and one after getting a second round KO. Again, in the light heavyweight division, we said in the preview, under what's next for him, he's now had some really good back-to-back wins. It wouldn't surprise me if you know, he's in line for a shot at a title later on down the line. Of course, we've got Paterbia versus Smith in January, the rescheduled bout, and it really depends on, obviously, of what Bivol does next, whether he goes down to 168, as to whether Gervik will get a big fight for a title in this division. Terrell Geisha got the victory by a majority decision, and Beck, Nuram Ganbet, he got a third-round KO to move to 11-0. And I just wanted to take a, a minute or two just to mention, obviously, Kamel Moton, who got the victory on his debut in the first round of that fight and what was more interesting about the fight not so much the fight should I say the aftermath of the fight there was a question posed to him about <laughs> how they how how they how he sees himself compared to someone like a, an Inoue and his response was very much a Mayweather-esque response about how he feels he will be a much better fighter than, than Inoue ever was and I just thought this is just Floyd Mayweather all over I mean, it's brilliant. And, and there was a lot of uproar about the fact that he was supposed to be on the undercar. People were looking out for him. Mayweather, as we said, he put the pressure on Morton. Oh, on Moton, I should say. No, I've got, got to stop calling him Moton. Moton. He put the pressure on him by saying how great he's going to be. He's had this just a tremendous amateur career, amateur background. So you can understand but a lot of interest was on, on him. Everyone wanted to see him, and he wasn't on the undercard. He actually fought after the main event, so um, not sure what happened there. A lot of people were a bit disappointed with that. They wanted to see him before the main event, but it happened after, and he got rid of the guy. Flores wasn't interested. I mean, it was it was all all his it was all his way. But yeah, great. I mean, look, I mean, the geezer's got a, a big head already <laughs> at such a young age, and with Mayweather in his corner, he's only going to get larger. And then the more he wins, the more it's going to get even worse. But look, if he can keep producing the goods, 
then great, it's his debut. You've got a long way to go yet, hell of a long way to go before you start comparing him with any of these top fighters. And it's just Mayweather creating the stir, which is what he does very well. Yeah, of course it will be. You know, in a few fights down the line, we'll, we'll be talking about you know, how he wants him in, in the ring with certain people. I mean, he was saying he wants to fight Lee Wood. I mentioned this in the preview. Yeah, he was saying he, want, he wants to fight Lee Wood for the WBA title already. He's ready for him. And it's like, right, okay, got some confidence there. But we'll, we shall see how, how his career pans out, of course. So we'll move back to the UK, talk about the Jay Pattaya and Jordan Thompson undercard. And, of course, the boxer card as well at the York Hall. Mentioned Caroline Dubois before we close this show. So on the undercard, we had Ellie Scottney retaining her title via unanimous decision. Good fight on the undercard was Siobhan Clark versus Rasul Dukar. I thought that was a really good fight for Siobhan Clark. I think he, he was trying his best to get Dukar out of there, but Dukar was a really, really tough, tough guy. His record, I think, doesn't really do him justice. 14-6-2 going into this fight, it doesn't do him justice at all because he, he was really tough in there. He was a really good, good fight for Clark. And he put on a really good performance. I really enjoyed seeing him getting some issues to deal with, some adversity to overcome, and, and he looked pretty slick in there at times, and, and he looked... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're a pretty hard punch, but Dukar just seems to be made of iron. He's like a piece of iron. He really is. He's, he's, he's just... He was re- he really wouldn't let up in that fight, and it was good to see Clark getting that level of test. He needed he needed something like that, in my opinion. So it was good to see him getting that victory. He now picks up a IBF International Cruiserweight title, which will put him really good stead in the IBF rankings, of course, going forward. But definitely somebody now to be watching out for. That was his seventh fight. I think by ten fights down the line, we're going to be looking at him in a in a big cruiserweight fight and. We've just been talking about Jai Opataya in the cruiserweight division. Obviously, we've got React Poor. We've got Akoli still in the cruiserweight division. Whether he stays there or not is another thing. And then, of course, we've got Chris Billum Smith, who's champion in the division as well. So, I think Siobhan Clark will be. Uh, it won't be long before he's nipping at the heels of all these guys because I think it won't be long before he's ready for that because he's shown that he's got the ability to to move up pretty quickly. 
with his great amateur pedigree that he had. So that was great to see that on there. Uh, and it was great to see Rhiannon Dixon as well winning the vacant EBU European lightweight title over Katarina Thandes, a former opponent of Terry Harper. She went the distance with Thandes, but she was really good. Looked really good in there. I think she's uh, definitely one to keep watching. I think she will move on pretty quickly now as she's got the Commonwealth title and now she's got the European title. I don't think it'll be long before they're proposing her for a fight in this division and it'll all depend on what happens with katie taylor of course katie taylor is rematching chantal cameron so will katie taylor's lightweight undisputed crown become fragmented and will it allow for people like rihanna dixon to be able to get in there and fight for a world title whichever one it may be keep your eyes peeled for that because i think that might actually happen with where the career is going of Katie Taylor at this stage. Uh, on the undercard as well, we had Maisie Rose, Courtney, George, Lillard, and the debut of Jemmy Sains, who all got victories in their particular fights. But let's take a few moments just to, to talk about Caroline Dubois becoming the IBO lightweight champion, Johnston. What did you think of her performance? Oh, brilliant. Um, really enjoy watching Caroline. Sorry, Caroline. She's uh, yeah, just She's got something about her. The, the girl, again, you're just having that amateur background that you've seen with, with Opatia, he had it as well. And you, you just see the difference when they're at that level, top level in amateur fighting, whether they're, even if they lose fights in championships and Olympics or whatever else you want to throw at me, or European, but it doesn't matter. Having that background is always huge. That helps you progress into a professional. And uh, Caroline, you can see that. Uh, she was she, she was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. She, her body shots were terrific. Credit to the... Rodriguez, is it Rodriguez, the Mexican girl? She she really uh, bit down. She used all the tricks in the trade as well, spitting the gum shield out when she got put down in one of the rounds. And then a heavy, heavy knockdown as well. She got back up and managed to grind it out, bending down. Again, the mouthpiece coming out. She was she did everything turning her back. And Caroline was getting vexed because she's like, I just want to get rid of her. And she was just brilliant. And to be fair, right in the last sort of last minute of the round as well of the, the fight of the 12th round and Caroline got caught she got caught a couple of times and she definitely got a bit stunned because she really wanted to get the knockout maybe a little bit loaded up a bit too much needs to just go back to working behind that jab if you if you knock someone down then you want to try and go for the kill and the other girl is a bit too savvy she's a bit too clued up she can prevent you from hitting her clean then maybe just back up go work behind that jab again get back to your boxing and find them openings and then go for it. So that'd be the one thing I'd say are critical of Caroline. But you just mentioned it there with Rihanna, Rihanna Dixon. She's in a position where now can she fight for a lightweight title? Same thing with Caroline. I know Katie's sort of holding these titles up at the minute. What's going to happen? Are they going to become fragmented? If they did, you know, sweet Caroline, she's in there with a shout and so is Dixon. So maybe that's a fight down the line for a world title. Who knows? But, yeah, really, just the performance in general was great. And credit to the Mexican girl that she managed to survive. She just used that experience, really, didn't she, Sean? And she bit down on the gumption when she needed to, came back when she needed to. She was limited. Caroline was superb. Great foot, foot movement and execution of shots, body shots, brilliant. And there was even a shot where someone was landed literally on the belt line, yeah? And the referee called it low. So just to rephrase from the fact that a few weeks ago we was having a discussion about low blows. If it's on the belt line, as that referee clearly instructed, it was below the belt and he was told she was told to put her hands up. Just wanted to make that point. No, I'm glad you did because uh, that was controversial only a few weeks ago and now the controversy died off a bit. Now there's another moment there where you can point people to it and say, look, the referee 
gave the clear instruction. So anything below where the referee says it's an invisible belt line, essentially, is low. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to remember that. So anybody that still thinks that <laughs> it wasn't a low blow, Daniel Dubois, the other week, then you know, go and watch this one because it just, it's just quite evident. Do, you don't have to do it so in the bollocks for it to be a low blow. That is a that's that's, that's probably disqualification. A low blow isn't getting smashed in the bowls. And Tyson Fury likes to bring that out, doesn't he? You know, uh, where's his bollocks kind of thing. I mean, he even said that up, up in his belly. No, <laughs> you know the rules, Tyson, but you're just trying to make make a mockery of it and cause the stir. But yeah, just wanted to make that point. But carry on, brilliant, Sean. I, I can't wait to watch our next fight. Just, you just crazy to watch. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing where, again, her career goes. And I think with the division being as it is at the moment and potentially... Belts being fragmented, as I said, with Rhiannon Dixon. There's an opportunity there to see some really big fights for British fighters involved in it. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that that plays out. I just hope, in some ways, Katie doesn't cling on to them titles for too much longer because, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm happy. She, she deserves to be champion. She earned that, that right. Of course she did. But she's now fighting back up at the, the, the next division again in a rematch. How much longer are all the organisations going to allow her to, to keep hold of their, their belts, really, you know, before they start giving other people opportunities. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out as, obviously, we get towards the end of the year when we get to that November. It's crazy. You say that. You mentioned Charlo. Straight away, he gets stripped of his title by one organisation. Straight yep. away. So it, it, it's your name that carries the weight, isn't it? It is. That's the thing. It's, it's I think it swings around about sometimes. Like, sometimes they can strip a fighter really quickly over something that's, that's trivial. And sometimes, the, you know, if it's someone like Katie Taylor or or somebody that, that's so sort of well-regarded within the sport that they'll give him a bit more of time to be able to, to get involved in these bigger fights and still allow him to keep the titles. However, it's not fair to other fighters who are chomping at the bit. So, again, we'll just see. With the rematch happening on November 25th, that will really tell us all. If Katie takes another defeat, what will she do next? That'll be the question, morning. What will she do next? Will she, will she move back down and, and fight and defend them titles? Or... Will she call time on her career? I think there's a chance if she loses again, she could call time on her career. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that for another day, of course. But there's one final fight I wanted to just mention. That was the Murat Gassiev otto Volin fight, a split decision victory for otto Volin, which was a surprise to some. Would it be in Turkey? They thought that maybe Gassiev would, would get the decision here. He did on one card, 117-111, which was really wide. The 115-113 cards for otto Volin was probably more accurate in this fight. Uh, I did watch back on the fight, and it, it was a scrappy affair at times. It wasn't an entertaining fight, in my personal opinion. However, I think now we've seen these two guys. I think a lot of people thought Gassiev would win, actually. And, you know, just as a, as a as a side note, a lot of people thought Gassiev would, would be too too big and too strong. And I know you did, but um, I think Volin, as I mentioned in the preview, you know, he he, had, he gave Tyson Fury some problems when he fought him. He really did give him some problems. He, he's a good boxer. He really is a good boxer, and I think you know that'll hopefully help him move on into a bigger fight. Now, I'm I'm not sure of his his ceiling. I'm not sure of where he gets to in the heavyweight division. I I, I don't essentially think he's gonna be a world champion, but I think he'll certainly be in with big fighters. I think he deserves an opportunity having won this fight now. But we'll see. Yeah, but it wasn't a most exciting fight. But I felt like we needed to mention it because it was one we mentioned in the preview. Because there was a lot of fights going on. There were so many of them to cover. It was it was nigh on impossible to literally cover every single fight that had gone on 
this weekend. Another side note, of course, Callum Simpson getting a victory on the Caroline Dubois on the card. He got a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Then Vidal Riley got a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Nathan Qualas to become the cruiserweight champion of England, which was a, was a good win for him. Another side note, Stephen McKenna, he got a good win against Darren Tetley and called out Josh Taylor. Practically said, I want to fight Josh Taylor. And, and Josh Taylor come out on social media and said he, he is basically a sparring partner, quite literally. So maybe, just maybe, there might be a bit of a Celtic clash going on down the line between these two. I think Josh, at this stage of his career, can pick who he wants to pick as as, as an opponent because of, of what he's done and where he's at in his career. But someone like McKenna might force the hand of Josh Taylor, especially with that old Irish-Scottish rivalry going on there. There's certainly a potential for that fight to happen in the future. Maybe as Josh starts to wind down his career, he might see that as an opportunity, but... If you're Josh Taylor, you're kind of probably thinking, ah, I'm not taking this at the moment. I'm, I want the big fights. I want the money, doesn't he? You know, wants to be back in America fighting for, for big money again. So I can't see that happening as well. But I think that's about it for this this weekend's fights. And, and the main content of this episode really was to talk about Canelo and, and Charlo. And we think Benavidez or Bivol at 168 is got to be the ideal fight for Canelo and his legacy next. And I'd be interested to see what, people are saying about that whether people feel the same as us or whether they have something else in mind and i think it'd be a good idea to let us know on social media at btr boxing pod on twitter or if you want to contact us on any of the other social media platforms you can do so at btr boxing podcast on facebook or instagram on tiktok and if you're watching or listening on youtube you'll be able to drop a comment below to give us your thoughts and feelings on what you think is next for canelo alvarez that is it though for this episode we are back this week with a preview for wood versus warrington and we will be back with another little shoot in the breeze segment as tyson fury and alexander usik has officially gone into frank warren and k2 promotions apparently it's all been signed it's all been done and dusted we don't believe it until we see these two guys get in the ring of course but i certainly don't i don't we definitely <laughs> once i see him in the ring i'll know for sure well, we're definitely going to have a proper sit down and talk about that in a separate segment for Shooting the Breeze later on in the week. But that is it for this episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Big Fight Reaction on BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.